I'll be reading today from Acts 2, 37 to 47. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit, for God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families. For those yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. <clears throat> Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with phrases to God, enjoying the favor of the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So, like, I think the new buzz, the new trend, and I'm older than a lot of you, so y'all help me if I'm off here, but I think the new trend is to, for you to have your own personal word for the year. Am I right? Am I Young people, am I right? Okay. Does anybody want to share what their word is? Yes. Intentional. Intentional. Love that. Who else? Yes. Simplify. Simplify. Progress. Progress. Change. <laughs> Just the year of doing it. I love that. Does having that word for you, does that inform and kind of guide you in the decision making you do through the year? Like, is this, is this going to give me progress? Is this going to be me just doing it? Is this going to be a change? <clears throat> Does it help you, like, be intentional? Okay, I love that. Well, I picked one for Imago Day. I just spoke for all of you, okay? <laughs> and our word for Imago Day is community. Now, I don't have a personal word, but I guess I probably need to get one. I'm going to have to think about it. Y'all got pressure on me now. Sounds like your word is community. Sounds like my word is community. <laughs> Thank you, Vicki. I think you're right. So community is our word, and you're going to hear a lot of it over 2023. And I hope that for all of us, it is a really good time together to get to know each other, work together, serve together, eat together, all the good things in life, right? Pray for each other, bear one another's burdens, all those biblical things, right? So, do we have anybody that would like to share what they think or what they thought as Elmer was reading this particular passage this morning? You know, this, this word here that says, you know, they, sh they shared with one another whatever they had out of their generosity. They sold their assets to distribute to the proceeds 
to those who were needed among them. Let me just briefly say this right quick. This was a group of people that believed Jesus was going to return any second. They did not think they had long left to be on this earth. So that was probably... Prop- I, I, I don't know. If you need to sell everything to give to the poor, do not let me hold you back from that at all. But I want to provide a little bit of context for those of us that might feel a little bit guilty about this. Um, that they, they believed that they didn't have very long to be on this earth and Jesus was going to return. That doesn't mean that we should hoard our stuff, but I, we can go to extremes either way, and I don't think either of those are good. So to brag on you, every time we put an ask out for Lula or Jolt, done. Just done. Water, tarps, sleeping bags, hand warmers, you name it, they're here. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go back in the fellowship hall and look at the Lula closet and how Vicky and others have organized that thing and it looks so nice. It's amazing what you have been able to do. We're pretty small. But together, we're making a huge difference in the work that Lula and Jolt do. And I, I, I thank you for that. The work that you do in Honduras, and I'm saying you because I haven't been to Honduras, but the work that you do in Honduras and those of you that give so that those that can go can do the work that they need to do there. There's, that's amazing that you do that. Uh, I was out, I think, the first week of December with COVID, and um, I had put an ask out for Maud Sanders. They've asked us to kind of adopt them, and we have said, absolutely, we'd love to adopt you. And they have a food pantry they ask us to fill. And all that week while I had COVID, not the whole time, but every now and then I would think, oh, I need to go get some food for them as soon as I'm testing positive. And, so I came to work that Monday, I think, and I told Tara, I said, I'm going to leave and go to Walmart and go get stuff for the food pantry. She said, why would you do that? We have a ton of stuff over here. And I looked, and it was just food for days. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we, nobody begged. Nobody put it out there a thousand times. You saw the need, and you filled it. And I think that's incredible. I think it's beautiful. But this community that I'm talking about is the need of the person right next to you. Do you know what those needs are? Do we know what the needs are in this room today? Many years ago, and let me just say, I have a terrible memory. I really, really, really do. And uh, if I've told this story before, please forgive me. You can tell me later, yeah, you've told that like three times. It's okay. But in this moment, if I've already told you this story, I need you to act like, oh, wow, that's... Whatever, okay? It makes me feel better. Anyway, many, many years ago when my children were young and we lived in Tupelo, I was a stay-at-home mom and we had no money. And we had this van that we used and um, we had Bible school that week starting on Monday morning. And um, my husband at the time, he, he put that we had a flat tire on the van. He put one of those, what are they called, like the small... The donut, yeah, the donut on there. And, and he was like, and the church was about 10 minutes away from our house, and he was like, just drive slow, you'll be fine, we'll get a tire at the end of the week. Okay, no biggie, I'm thinking. And so we drive to church that morning, and there's this guy that comes to our church. He's around our age. He's probably a little bit older than us at the time, single guy, but just served the Lord and served the, the church. And he happened to walk outside and saw my donut tire. And he came in, and he was like, 
what happened? I said, oh, you know, tire issues. I'll just drive. It's fine. You know, we'll get one on Friday. It's no big deal. Went on throughout the Bible school thing. Those of you that know Bible school, after 15 hours of being with children that Monday, we, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, just give me your keys. I'm going to run go. I'm going to take care of it for you. You can just pay me on Friday. No biggie. I was like, oh, okay. So we got somebody to take us home. And because of the 15 hours that Monday with the children, we all took naps. And at some point, my husband at the time comes home. He comes walking in the door and he asks, who put four new tires on our van? I was like, I have no idea. And he called Ken, and Ken was like, you needed four tires. They were really bad. And we knew that. But we didn't. Have, when you have no money, you can't put four brand new tires on a vehicle. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> you know, I've always thought when you made it in life, if you can go put four brand new tires on a vehicle, that's some security right there. That's expensive. and was something we could not afford. And Sammy was like, well, we'll pay. No, no, no. That was a gift. You need them. And I, I have the funds to do that. That's community. That's community at its finest. That's community at its best. And um, no big fanfare about it. You know, nobody got up in the pulpit that Sunday morning and made a big thing out of it. But it was community at its best. And that is the common life that Luke, Luke is talking about in Acts. You know, we do keep our eyes open for needs outside this building. Some of us stay really on top of that thing. And I am so grateful for those of you that do. And we also have to keep our eyes open for needs inside this building with one another. And I want, us to, I want to encourage you and me to be better about seeing others that are right next to us. In Philippians 1.9, we read that Paul says, I pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. Oh, excuse me, I have to get my water. So what Paul is saying there in that Philippians verse is simply this. I'm praying that you find out how to love smarter. How do we love smarter? By getting to know people. I could give you, let's say that I was to go to Dan Moore and was to get, and I thought, you know what? I found this book, this history book, that's really good. I think Dan will love this. And I give it to Gant Dan, and Dan like, oh, thank you, that's so sweet. But underneath, when I walk away from the conversation, he goes, I already have three of them. Right? Now that's a small thing, but to love smarter would be, hey Dan, or sending him a text when I'm at the bookstore. Hey, I found this used book for three book, three bucks. Do you need it? Do you want it? Are you following with me? Sometimes we do things for people that they don't actually really need and we can miss it. Now, everybody always needs to know that somebody's looking out for them. I'm not saying that. We all need that. And yes, the, the, you know, the, 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 the thought behind it matters. But to love smarter, we got to get better at this. So in Acts 2, we read about this group of people who were living this common life. They were living in community. They knew each other. And so at the beginning of Acts, we read that the Holy Spirit has descended upon the place. 
And it's the day of Pentecost, right? And everyone starts speaking in tongues and this other language and everyone's astonished and everyone's saying, oh my heavens, these people are drunk. And Peter says, well, they're not drunk. It's only in the middle of the day. I won't get into that. but <laughs> So Peter goes on to tell the crowd that Jesus really is the Messiah as foretold by David. And, fin and Peter finished with this discourse. Now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified, is the one God has made both Lord and Messiah. So the crowd hears this, and they ask Peter, well, what can we do? We get all this between uh, chapter 2, 1 through 36. We got it. But what do we do with it? What do we do now? <laughs> I found a, a, a new Bible scholar that I am just absolutely in love with. His name is Willie James Jennings. And in his commentary on Acts, he says about this question, it's a simple, but it's a terrifying question. What should we do? <laughs> this question flows out of what he calls a divine propensity for interruption. Mary knew of this divine propensity for interruption. So did Joseph. So did the apostles. They were all called away from what they were doing into a new way of doing things or seeing the world. So when we have new information, what should we do? They had new information, now what do we do with it? Like if you were to ask somebody, what can I get you if they're sick or if they're down or just struggling with life, what can I do for you? How many of you would love to be able to say to that person, could you just clean my house? Or could you just pick up my kids from school? Or could you just send me a couple of meals or a couple of door dashers? But we don't because we're polite, right? We don't want to ask somebody to do too much. So what should we do if that person asks for too much? When we hear that there is a better way to live our lives, what should we do? As we evolve in our faith and we receive new information and new interpretation, what should we do? According to Jennings, this is the point of offense for these Jewish listeners in this audience. He says, all religious faith believes it already has God in its sights. It knows and seeks after. It tires, tirelessly devotes time, energy, and resources to the holy. The point of offense is saying to somebody, you need to do this, and this person is already doing all these other things, and they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I've already got my way to God right here. I don't need you to tell me to do this. That is a point of offense. What do you do with it? What do you do with a divine interruption? That point of offense can be, you don't know everything. It can be, there's a better way. There's a different way, an interrupted way. What's the interruption that Peter's talking to them about? To be baptized. That was something they'd never heard before. Live a life against the world's calling and live a common life with one another. Now, they knew something about communal living, but they had been dispersed for generations and they had been lost in a lot of ways. And you and I have a common life together. 
we believe that there's something beyond us, something that we can't explain. We, we believe that there's mystery out there. We believe that in a way of seeing the world that maybe not other people see. We believe that the purest teaching of the Gospels are beautiful. They're life-changing. It is the narrow way to walk in this world, world, and it's hard, but it's worth it. We believe in Jesus and in the example that he set before us, and we really do want to follow those teachings. We believe in people and helping people who don't have enough. We believe in accepting, affirming, including celebrating people who do not look like us, love like us, believe like us. We don't practice this well at all times. Some people are just a struggle for us to love, but we really want to, and we try. We share a common life. We may not see the Gospels, the Bible, Jesus, church in the same way in this room, but we believe in the centrality that Jesus is who he said he was and the good that he did in the world, and we want to live our lives that way. And that's the reason the word community will be Imago's word this year. Community will be the center that pulls us together. Now, we are going to begin offering various ways of sharing common life, obviously through worshiping physically together on Sunday mornings. And let's just say, I get it, COVID threw us off our rhythm. COVID got us out of our habit, right? And now we're in this winter of 2023 and... There's flu again. There's, there's all the things. I get it. But meeting physically is important. It's how we get to know one another. It's how we get to know faces and stories. It's how we get to hear about one another's needs and burdens. And we can do all that outside here on Sunday mornings, but being here is important too. We need to know each other better. We will offer adult Sunday school classes throughout this year. We will offer some small groups this year, and I'm going to give you an update on those in the next few weeks. But we are going to offer some new small groups this year for you to be a part of. We have potluck meals. We have community events throughout the year, such as the Easter egg hunt. We're also offering, uh, if you're interested, uh, there's a study group online. It's not really a study. It's just a reading group. We're going to read through the New Testament in the next year. And the Apocrypha, which I don't know about you, but I know only peripherally. And I wanted to actually sit down and read it. So we're going to do that for this next year. And what's happening in that little group is people are chiming in. They're like, whoa, wait a minute, where did that come from? I've asked people to read their New Testament in a different translation than what they're accustomed to. So you hear it a little differently. And you're like, whoa, that's different. Or, this doesn't sound right. What's going on? And the conversation going on in that group is really good. We need to know each other better. We need to know when you have tires that need replacing and that your funds are low. We need to know when you're sick so we can feed you. We need to know when you're grieving so we can pray and feed you. We need to know if your world is falling apart. You know, job loss, kids acting wild, divorce, breakup, parents with hard health diagnoses, kids being sick, 
kids being jerks, the kids that are in the room, that does not apply to you at all. <laughs> Y'all are perfect. We need to know when you're struggling with mental health, when your loneliness is threatening, threatening to swallow your whole. We need to know. We need to know so we can bear that burden with you. You were not meant to bear it alone. We were meant to do this together in community. We need people in our lives that notice the flat tires. A family in our congregation recently experienced a tragedy. And the way that you all have showed up for them, it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Kate Bowler in her book, Good Enough, she uses the, uses the term regula. It's the Latin word that we get the word regular from. It means rule of life or a regular pattern of activities. And those regular patterns become more valuable over time because its structure creates a space for good things. Now, my husband exercises seven days a week. And he has since he was in his 20s. I try not to hate him for it. When he is not able to go for one reason or another, like uh, we went to Mississippi the week after Christmas and for three days he didn't get to exercise. When he doesn't get to do that, he says he feels like his biorhythms are off. He feels off kilter uh, because his body has become used to that regular pattern of life, that regular behavior. And so when he doesn't do it, his body's like, what are you doing? You know, do a sit-up for crying out loud. It'd be nice if my body said that every now and then, but it doesn't. So when we got back from Mississippi and he went to the gym on that Thursday morning, he said after that one workout, he felt back in kilter again. It just, his body was like, that's what I was looking for. That's what I needed. I wish my body didn't say I need cheesecake. <laughs> Y'all can pray for that this year if you want to. What are some practices, some activities? This is a question and I want you to speak out loud. What are some practices, some activities that you engage in as a regular pattern of life? And how do they make you feel? It could be spiritual. It could be physical, mental, whatever. Just something that you do on a regular basis that is helpful to you and how it makes you feel. She says, in the same way, our spiritual selves need a regular pattern of activity. Um, she tells the story about St. Benedict. She says, um, St. Benedict, in the 6th century, St. Benedict had high hopes for the spiritual community he founded, and his rules were deemed so unnecessarily strict that his followers tried to poison him. <laughs> Don't worry, he survived and simmered down a bit. Benedict's main achievement became a set of rules that enshrined a spirit of moderation and balance, saying, we hope to set down nothing harsh, nothing burdensome. As we progress in this way of life and in faith, we shall run on the path of God's commandments, our hearts overflowing with an inexpressible delight of love. To be effective, a regular doesn't have to be hard. It only has to be regular. What I am not saying here, I am not talking about legalism. And I'm going to explain what, what I mean by that. 
we don't guilt trip at Imago Day. I'm not going to guilt trip you. I'm not going to shame you. Nobody else is either. That's just not what we do. Um, and if you ever feel that from me, let me know. Because that's certainly not what, who I want to be. Um, I've been guilt tripped so many times by people in spiritual authority over me. And it's not good. It's not a good feeling. And I don't, we don't want to be that place for you. But being here as a regular pattern of life, building community as a regular pattern of life, that is good stuff. And it is worth it. Now, I get also in this arena of legalism that some have been in churches where they were spiritually abused or spiritually taken advantage of or spiritually shamed or guilted. And that's hurtful. And that's devastating to our faith. And I realize that some of you come from a place of that to Imago. There's no guilt in that. Nobody's going to guilt you for that either. You come when you can. If all you can do is help with meals on packing meals on Wednesday night, that's fine. That's fine. But you need community. We need community. We need each other. There's nothing wrong with taking a break, especially when we have experienced spiritual abuse. Um, many years ago, we left a church. My family and I left a church. And we had been spiritually abused, and it, uh, even one of my children was part of it, and that was just the worst. Um, I went 18 months without engaging in church. I couldn't do it. It was just too painful. It was just too painful. And trying to do due diligence and finding another church that I felt like I could be safe in, that took a minute. And even then, when I finally found a church, I didn't engage in any service type of anything, not even the nursery, not even singing in the choir for months. I had to gradually get back into it. So when I say there's no legalism with that, there's no legalism for me because I've been there. Nobody's going to guilt trip you for that. But community, when it's good and when it's at its best, it really should be a common life. For those of you that have been hurt, don't give up on it forever. We need each other. We need common life. If you've been burned out, it's okay to take a break. It's okay when I or someone else comes and asks you to do blank and you just can't to say, I just can't right now. It's okay. I mean, we desperately need volunteers. Who am I kidding? But listen. <laughs> listen. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say, I need a little bit more time before I delve into that. That's okay. You get to say that. But don't give up. We have to show up for one another. We need to know each other better. We need to actively, habitually choose to be in common life with one another. That's where we get the strength, the encouragement to keep walking this narrow path. We've chosen this narrow path to live our lives. And we need encouragement to keep doing it. We need encouragement to, to stay the course. It's a community, and it's beautiful, and it's worth it. And I invite 
all of you, just as you've already been doing, to come help me make this community with me.